appreciate all that. It's good. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it's me. <laughs> um, welcome to Junior Varsity Sunday. And uh, we'll, we'll make this quick, I promise. Uh, I want to take a second this morning um, and uh, explain to us and try to paint a picture on the realities that we are actually, as children and sons and daughters of God, that we are actually living in. That uh, the idea that Scripture paints really clearly for us that, that this world that we live in is a veneer of the spirit world, and the spirit world is the true reality, just like Scripture says. And uh, I feel like a lot of the times, just it, as believers, we walk in the physical world, and uh, we face trials and temptations, and, and we experience victories and breakthroughs and things like that, and then the spirit world is, is more of a tertiary uh, byproduct of what is happening in the physical world, but, but Scripture is very clear that the spiritual world is the eternal world, is the real world, and this world is a veneer of that world. And so we're going to look at a couple Scriptures, a couple things today that go through that. And the first one up, we're going to go read a lot of Scripture today. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah! Cool! <laughs> I got a woo! Can I, can I talk with this red pen? Is that Okay. So I want to make sure I know where I am. Second uh, Corinthians four sixteen through eighteen. Uh, this this passage has been has been moving and working in me over the last couple months, and so uh, when I decided I wanted to preach on it, uh, God decided to. Well, let's read it first. How about that? Second Corinthians four sixteen through eighteen. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to the things, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are are eternal. Mm, let's sit in. It feels good. So when I decided I wanted to preach on this, uh, God decided to uh, give me quite a feel like what I felt like was a lot of momentary affliction. Uh, so I wish I would have decided to preach on a health and wealth gospel instead, because uh, it would have been much easier to receive. Uh, but we did this instead. So. Let's, let's look at this. We have two economies that we're used to living in. We have the spirit kingdom economy, God's eternal, invisible economy that we are used to walking in, and we also have this world's economy. So this world's economy uh, is based off the principle of scarcity, uh, that there are limited resources versus limitless wants. Limited resources versus limitless wants, our unlimited desire to have things and to consume. And there's not enough things to go around. Do you have a glass of water? Do you have a glass of water? I'm going to need it. I just know I don't need it like right now, but I know I'm going to need it in just a second. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Um, okay. You don't have the flu, do you? 
Golly. Everybody's getting the flu at work. Uh, I'll watch that. I'll watch that for you. Yeah. I just thought of that just now. Yeah. Limited, res limited resources versus limitless wants. So there's not enough things to go around, so everything has a price. We pay a price for everything. We don't have just free money given to us most of the time. But so we have to toil and work to generate income or wealth. And then once we have that, we distribute that throughout the economy to receive goods or services back, things that we believe that we need to either help us to survive or that we think will make us happy. Okay? That's the world global economy. Now, what you'll notice, the more you read the Bible, the more you study God's patterns and his love, the more you see, the more you read about Jesus, the more you start to see that everything in the kingdom is the exact opposite. If you want to lead, you got to serve. If you want to be high, you got to go low. The economy is the same way. So instead of a limit, a limited resources versus unlimited wants, the resource in God's economy is limitless because God's economy runs on love. And there is unlimited love in God's economy. And the limited resource is our ability to see or comprehend that love of God. Okay? The limit, the limit here is our ability to comprehend God's love. Because the resource is unlimited. Okay? Does that make sense? It's kind of like economics class my freshman year. When I ask God, like, what, what do you want me to gain from this? And what do you want me to understand as we're teaching this? And so these are two points that I am, I am pulling from this that I heard the Lord say. I'm not, a, I'm not an Old Testament prophet, so don't take what I say as, as truth. You try it and test it. So what I heard him say is that faith is the currency of the spiritually wealthy in the kingdom of God. Faith is the currency of the spiritually wealthy, and purity is the diet of the spiritually strong. Faith is the currency of the spiritually wealthy, and faith, purity, I'm so sorry, faith is the currency of the spiritually wealthy, and purity is the diet for the spiritually strong. So we're gonna be honing in through this passage on the importance of faith, in our purity as sons and daughters of God, okay? Faith, faith is a physical property that moves things in God's kingdom. Let's read uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1. This is the New King James Version. The New King James says it the best way, in my opinion. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I think a lot of the times we are used to seeing uh, faith as maybe like a cute cross stitch on our grandma's hallway or uh, on some motivational poster with like people parachuting uh, in the youth room growing up, things like that. Am I alone? You know, faith, parachuting. It's like, cool, I'll never do that. But faith is a massive, powerful, 
unstoppable force that I don't understand in the kingdom of God. But when Jesus says, faith the size of a mustard seed moves mountains, Jesus was very literal. And he chose his words very carefully. And how many of us have ever seen an actual literal mountain move? I haven't either. But in the spirit world, I have. In the kingdom, I have seen mountains move. Just a short example. Uh, I took the kids, the youth kids, students, on a trip. And we were doing like a small Bible study, things like that. And it was like 10 of us. We were sitting at this table, and it was like an awkward setup. And most of the students were engaged, things like that. And then there were two students in the end that were super not engaged, right? So as a, as a teacher and as a, as a group leader, you're kind of like, ah, it's really distracting. And what they were doing is they were kind of just giggling and laughing and, and teasing and, and things like that. And do I need to use that? Are you serious? All right. Check it out. Is that just okay? Is that so much better? I can't even hear it. Oh, man, you guys clapped. <laughs> Clapping and switching mics. Switch mics more often. That's good. That's really good. Uh, I'm teaching, and these, these students at the end over there uh, just, just giggling and laughing. And what would normally make me really frustrated, the Lord opened my eyes to see the spirit world for just a second, and I sensed just a presence of darkness over these two, just giggling and laughing, and almost, almost the darkness just tickling them. They don't, he doesn't want to lead them to go out and leave and go do drugs, but if he can just get them to laugh and be tickled just a little bit to not hear the truth, then he will. And I sensed it, and... and and whatever I had in the power of God just slammed my fist on the table and I was like, stop it! And I felt the darkness move away immediately. And it was weird for everybody in the room, just like that story is. But I sensed the darkness leave and they were completely engaged. It was something strange. And so in the spirit world, I'm slamming my fist on, I'm in the physical world, I'm slamming my fist on the table, but in the spirit world, I am moving mountains, literally making straight the pathway of the Lord. Faith literally moves mountains. It is a real, powerful, genuine force that we don't understand. Purity, purity, a lot of us, a lot of us take the word purity and whatever uh, wherever that falls in your mind right now, let's widen that scope just a little bit. Purity is not just abstaining from worldly pleasures, okay? Jesus didn't die. You know, I was on a run one time with somebody in college. We were talking about the gospel, and we were talking about purity, and, and, and he said, Jesus didn't die to just keep us in line, to keep us well-behaved. You know, he died to give us a full life, and purity is part of that. Purity is one of the many things that marks our identity as sons and daughters of God. Purity is one of the things that marks our identity as his children, okay? And I'm not talking about legalism, the abstaining from things in exchange for righteousness because Jesus exchanged his life so that we could have righteousness, right? Okay, so I'm talking about purity, it, it, living as sons and daughters of God, not just abstaining from worldly pleasures, but also purity, living a pure life, eating the fruits of God, eating the fruits of God. And so what is that? That is so strange. I'm thinking about things like hiding his word in our heart. Hiding his word in our heart. 
uh, worshiping him in spirit and in truth and knowing him, spending time in his presence, knowing him, becoming like him, even into his death. That one's scary, but sounds kind of fun. Uh, Loving our neighbors as ourselves. These are the fruits of God that lead us and mark us and lead us to purity, that we walk in the life as sons and daughters of God that Jesus intended for us. This world is a veneer of the spirit world, okay? Something else is being prepared for us while the rest of the world is wasting away. So today, not today, I mean, you can take as much time as you need, uh, but it'd be awesome if you did it today. Uh, We're gonna decide what economic principles we're actually gonna live by. Keep giving you the flu. Uh, Let's break that verse down. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us a weight of glory beyond all comparison. This light, momentary affliction is preparing for us something really cool. Um, I have no, 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 no. I have two stories. I don't know which one to tell, so I wrote them both down. Uh, I have one about having heart surgery in college, and I have one about skiing a double black diamond. Which one should we go with? I heard, I heard the black diamond first. <laughs> the heart surgery one's just going to make you cry. Uh, okay, so this was on a ski trip with the youth students. They prefer to be called students, not kids, right? Right, Jackery? His name's not Jackery, but I've been calling him Jackery for like 10 years. Sorry. And so everybody in the youth actually thinks his name is Jackery. I love it. But your name's really Jack, right? I don't even know who you are. Uh, we're on a ski trip, right? And uh, almost none of the youth have been skiing before. And so I look like a really good skier, right? Because I've been skiing before. Uh, so my ego's feeling pretty great. And, uh, and so we're skiing greens and blues. And for those of you who don't ski, green is easy and blue is moderate. Uh, blue runs and things like that, and we're doing okay, and it's the last day, right? And so Vince Wilcox is like, hey, I'm going to take a group up, and we're going to do some black diamonds. You want to go? And I don't know if you guys know Vince, but, like, he's so cool, right? And so when Vince asks you to do something, you're kind of like, well, I really want Vince to like me, and so I really think that I should, I should do what Vince tells me to do. He's cool. He's a dentist. He has a cool truck. He's a cool family. He's, like, super chill. All right, and then Mike is like, I might join you guys, <laughs> and so is that Australian? Okay, cool. I might, I might join you guys. That's great, and so so I'm kind of like, eh, okay, because if you're friends with Mike, it's like he can not do anything that you've done for the past 10 or 12 years, and then he can athletically, and then he can kind of jump in and be like, I'll just learn this sport real quick, and then he will end up being better than you at that thing, and that's why it's frustrating to be friends with Mike, because <laughs> he's better at everything. Uh, but, you really, but that's professional soccer players for you. I love you. M. Milner at OLCC.org. So me and Vince and Mike go up this hill, and we're like scoping out the ski. We're scoping out the slopes on the way up the, up the ramp, up the, what's it called, the lift. 
And from the lift, things look pretty easy. It's like, oh, yeah, because you're seeing the scope of the whole run right in front of you. You're like, there, there, there's some, some mogul patches. Don't hit that tree. Awesome. Yeah, we got it. Very cool. And so we ski down, and then we, we taper off. And I don't remember, remember like, what happened for this to happen, but we're at the foot of a double black diamond. And so a double black diamond is expert only. And if you grew up in Oklahoma and you ski like once a year, you're not really an expert, okay? You can be confident and you're like, I'm going to do the parabolic skis, extra sport package and stuff like that. But like, you're a little rusty the whole time, right? And so I'm at the foot of the expert only and Vince is there and he's got his like helmet and he's got his snowboard and he's like his GoPro and he's like, I'm ready for action. X Games, Vince, let's go. And, you know, and he's like, boom, I'm out of here. And he goes down. And I was like, okay, cool. And then Mike is like, see ya. I'm like, awesome. And so it's just me. And I look over the ledge, and I don't, I don't see the rest of our planet. <laughs> like, I'm looking there, and I know God created the heavens and the earth, and I see the heavens, but I see no earth. And so I'm, I keep going to the edge a little bit, and I'm like, I still like, I still cannot see the earth. And I was like, where is it? And so, well, those guys just went ahead, and I don't hear any death. And so I'm like, well, forget about it. And I just go, and I was like, we'll, we'll just figure it out when we get down there, uh, which is going to be on my tombstone. It's going to say, dunno, man, just winged it. Uh, so I, I, we go, and I, there's some moguls, and I'm like, okay, stay in the veins, stay in the veins. I catch some air, not a good thing when the ski hill's like that. I hit the top of a mogul, and I flip around, and I land on my back upside down, and I feel the earth, and I see the heavens, and I start just sliding down super fast, and what would have worried a normal person, I feel the slide, and I'm just going on the mountain, and I think, this is a much easier way to go down. <laughs> so I just keep on sliding down until it slows down, and then <clears throat> flip my skis around, and there they are waiting for me in all of our glory. And so... We go back down, and we ski back down, and then, you know, like, when bros finish something, it's like, oh, we did it, yes, we did the double black diamond, yeah, and there's a weight of glory, you know, like, we did something great. I did, like, half of it on the skis and then half on my back, but I still made it to the bottom. And so this light momentary affliction was preparing for us a weight of glory, and as dumb as that is, like, just imagine the weight of glory awaiting us after we, after we live this very, very short life with all these trials and temptations and these things that seem impossible and every brick and cinder brick wall that we hit and we persevere with faith, living a life, eating the fruits of God in purity. Just imagine the weight of glory awaiting us when we done can you imagine that? This light momentary affliction. I love that God is so sweet but so firm. Saying this light momentary affliction. Okay. There is, I tell the youth all this, this all the time, there's 0% regret 
in 100% obedience. There's 0% regret in 100% obedience. You will never be sorry that you took a risk and did something and followed that pit in your stomach that was calling you out to take a risk. You will never be sorry for following the leading and the voice of God. Am I right? Who's like followed God and been like, I should have done that. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I, just, I just stop you. Sometimes I ask questions. My son Duke is raising his hand. Dude, it's okay, bro. We'll get there. Zero percent regret and 100% obedience. So here's the next part of the passage. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The things that are seen are transient, or some translations say temporal or temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's put this in, in a, another bullet point. Is that on the screen? Cool. Let's put this in another, another bullet point. Behind, behind, every physical, behind every physical situation, there is an unseen battle, a deeper blessing, and a further calling. Behind every physical situation that comes your way, there is an unseen battle, a deeper blessing, and a further calling. Um, this story is going to make you think I'm weird, and that's fine with me. I just want to say that I'm fine with it, okay? So um, this is a time when God was leading me to do something strange. Um, it was in high school, and I was 15 years old, and I don't know if you've ever been in high school before, but it is so hard, okay? It's really hard, um, and that's how I felt when I was in high school. Like, this is so hard. I've got cross-country. I've, uh, I've got yearbook. I've got uh, student government. I've got FCA. I've got uh, church. And uh, I don't have a car, so I have to get rides everywhere. And, uh, and on top of that, I've got homework. You're like, that was like the order of my priorities. It's like, and then after all that, I have, to do, I have to turn stuff in for grades. Oh. So I was really overwhelmed at 15 years old just with all this stuff. Uh, and I didn't even have an iPhone. And uh, God was calling me to a period and a time of simplicity Okay, to block out everything else in life and simplify my life down just to the bare necessities. And that was, well, in, in God's calling right now, and then it was school, uh, but it was also time in his word and time in prayer. And I got this picture at 15 of me devoting myself just to prayer in, in a tent outside in the front yard, and, and I don't know if that was like a, just a picture to encourage uh, the posture of my heart during that season, but I took it literally. And so uh, I moved into a tent in my front yard at 15 years old, and I, I lived out there from August to December, uh, my sophomore year of high school, uh, with just a lamp, an alarm clock, and a Bible, and, uh, and a notepad. <laughs> Uh, which is really strange. And so the girl that gave me rides to school would come up and uh, I would just come out of my tent and I'd get in the car and she'd drive me to school. 
Some of you are still trying to wrap your minds around it, and like that's exactly what happened. And then I would come home, and I would eat with my family, and then I would go, uh, and then everybody go to bed, and I would go out into my tent, and I would just read the Bible, and I'd read this, I'd read the scriptures, and I'd journal, and I'd talk about what God is saying to me. And as silly as that is, it was in that time that God birthed dreams in my life and for my life, that God birthed uh, an eternal perspective on, on my purpose on the earth, living in his presence. Uh, and it mentally changed the way that I see uh, the spirit world and our physical involvement temporarily in the spirit world. And um, it was a sweet time that shaped me and moved me forever. It was December when I woke up sleeping on my side uh, with frozen snot on my face, dripping across, and I woke up and I heard the Lord say, it's time to go inside. <laughs> so God is pushing us to make radical moves, okay? And I know that, that you're thinking, I say that, I say those words, God is pushing us to make radical moves, and you, me, all of us, look at our lives, and you're thinking, I literally don't have margin for radical moves right now. I literally, I don't have the, the lifestyle and genetic makeup for radical moves, because a lot of us say radical moves, and in my mind, when I hear other people up here being like, we got to do radical moves, and it's like, I don't want to sell everything and move to China right now, you know? Well, God's merciful, and he's not calling me to sell everything and move to China right now. So, God is really intentional, and he's really on purpose to work with you with exactly who you are and who he's made you to be. And so your radical moves don't always need to look like a, a missionary's radical moves or don't always need to look like the radical moves of, of some speaker at some hot conference. Your radical moves are spirit-led, spirit-convicted, and God is moving you to make radical moves in your life to understand that the spirit world is the actual true reality, okay? And what seems radical to us is not, is not radical in the kingdom of God. It's normal. And that's, that's how God works. It's upside down every single time. And it's radical to us because we are literally moving mountains in this physical earthly world and it seems strange and it seems crazy because the economic principles of God's kingdom run incongruent to the economic principles of our world. And so it seems radical, it feels uh, like a nuisance, and it makes us tired and it makes us weary, but after it's done, we feel and understand true life and we feel and understand our identity as children of God, supported and loved sons and daughters of God, sons and daughters of God who are protected by a good father, there's 0% regret and 100% obedience. And the radical moves look different for every single person in here, but we're all called to them. Does that make sense?
Behind every physical situation, there is an unseen battle, a deeper blessing, and a further calling. I'm going to read. I don't have this on the, the screen, I don't think, but I have it here. I have 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13, and no, we're not at a wedding. Some of you have been to a lot of weddings understand that joke. I heard two laughs, and I will not include that joke next time. Cool. Jokes for the people. Verse 8. This is the NASB. We've been switching. We've done ESV, NKGV. This is ESV. I'm sorry. Brock would cry if he was here, but he's not, so we can do it. (laughs) Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. This is my favorite part. Open up your mind. Open up your heart. Listen to this. It says it better than anybody could ever say it. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I have been fully known. But now abide in faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest but the greatest is love. I see in a mirror dimly. I love that. This world is a veneer, and everything we know is going to be gone, and all that's going to be left is faith, hope, and love before the Father. Just like the, I'm not, not going to go there. Yeah, just like the, just I saw images of the California fires all week. Um, and you see these images of these just singed hillsides. And then uh, a lot of the time, all that's left is the steel frame and the slab. And I'm pushing us to understand that the steel frame and the slab is not, uh, is not, um, is not worldly money, is not monetary, is not uh, the protection that we can set up for ourselves. It is faith and it's hope, and it's love, and it's living a life in purity, eating the fruits of God. And that's what is left over when we're done, when the chaff is burned away. This world is a veneer, and all we see will be gone. The things that are unseen, the invisible world is what's eternal. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. This world's economy runs on scarcity. There's limited resources here versus unlimited wants. It's not sustainable for an eternity. But what is sustainable is the kingdom economy where the resource is limitless. God's love is limitless. And the only thing that has room to grow is our comprehension and our understanding of God's love, our sight and our comprehension of God's love. We're called to make radical moves to understand it even better. Let's just close this with these two scriptures. We're just going to let scripture speak. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8. For we walk by faith, not by sight. 
yes, we are of good courage and would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Psalm 19, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path that I may walk by faith and not by sight. Let's, let's pray. God, we're thankful for your kingdom. We're thankful for your love. And we're thankful for the very short opportunity that we have to walk in this world and depend on you and learn about your character and your love to us while we can't even physically see you yet. But faith is a substance of things hoped for, and it's evidence of things that I cannot see. It is evidence of things that I cannot see. God, we want to live by those principles. We want to live by those values. It's in the name of Jesus that we can live fully. It's in the name of Jesus that we walk. Let's walk by faith and not by sight. To your name we pray. Amen.